You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First Attempt Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis here to get you caught up on all of the Dallas Cowboys' massive week one win over the New York Giants. If you fell asleep or if you live under a rock, you missed the Cowboys go 1-0 in a 40 to nothing fashion. Um, we're going to have plenty of time to dive into that, dive into it entirely. But Aiden, how are you doing today, my friend? I've never been, I've never had a better football weekend. If if you're just yeah. listening to the podcast or don't know, I am a Texas fan. So on Saturday night, I got to watch Texas beat Alabama, which is one of the most fun games I've ever watched as a Texas fan. And then turn around on Sunday night, I get to see my favorite team win 40 to zero in the season opener. I don't know how to like. I've never been this confident about either of these two teams. So this is just uncharted territory for me. Yeah, this is like, I was going to say, I was actually thinking about that because I'm, if anybody couldn't tell from my voice, I went to the game last night. So I'm a little hoarse. And, uh, but so I'm still currently in New Jersey, but I got to watch the Longhorns Alabama game in Hoboken, New Jersey, you know, so I have a couple of friends that live out there. So we get to meet up with them. And I honestly was thinking about you when I was watching, uh, you know, Texas do their thing. Every time Alabama thought they were going to, you know, mount a comeback, Texas, you know, stepped on it and, and brought it back. So what, what a weekend for Texas football, you know, I'm not, you know, me, I'm not college football. I'm Georgia Bulldogs, but I'm very like, you know, casual when it comes to college football, but down South, where you're from, there is no casual <laughs> college football. This is the real deal. So what a hell of a weekend for you guys. This was this was fun. But we I, we do need to know, boots on the ground, at the game. Tony, yes. what was the atmosphere like? Tell me just how it progressed throughout the game. Like, tell me, <laughs> how did it start? And then, like, by, let's say, the third quarter. Because that's essentially when it yeah. was over. That's, that's, you said that perfectly. Because that's how I was going to describe it to you. So when we got there. Good energy. You know, week one, everybody's happy to be there. You know, th- th- this positive, you know, feelings for everybody. Right. I think one of the coolest things that we had was when the red zone was on and the Patriots are mounting a comeback against the page uh, against the Eagles. The whole stadium was like in lockstep, like, you know, forget the Eagles. Like everybody wanted the Patriots <laughs> to win that game. And ultimately that they didn't get it done. But, you know, everybody in the building was rooting for, you know, for the Patriots. So that was a cool atmosphere. But my wife was actually just telling me a second ago when we were setting up, she's like, make sure you mention like the demeanor change in the first, I would say pregame to like first drive giants fans were really like, like they had some animosity to them. Like they felt like this was the year. Then they, they were kind of running the ball well with Saquon and, and it got like hostile for a minute where like, they were like fighting and it was arguing. And I'm like, Oh man, like we might be in for like, 
a long night. It was raining. The weather played a factor into it. And that demeanor just got, you know, less and less as the game went on. on. Obviously, there was no <laughs> animosity at the end. There was like nobody there. So um, the Cowboys came out of halftime, scored that touchdown, made it 33 to nothing. And it started downpouring. And as soon as it started downpouring, like it was like a mass exodus to the to the um you know to the exits. And when when you were sitting there, I mean we stayed the whole game. I mean, we came, we make a whole trip out of it. So we were there, but at the end of the game, it was nothing but Cowboys fans. And it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. Okay, so two questions off the A, what was the divide at kickoff? Like it seemed like there were actually a decent like compared to previous years, a decent amount of Cowboys fans yeah. in the state. And then two What's it like watching a game in torrential downpour rain? Because <laughs> it was so funny. I've never seen like the end of the game where like the players' jerseys are, are just like sopping wet, and uh, it's like uh, most of the time they have time to like dry off and cool yeah. it, like towel down because normally the rain stops at some point. But no, it was just a torrential downpour for especially the entire site. They were just panning to the crowd. I was like, man, Tony's yeah. bold for this. It was. It was never like stop either it was just like different levels of aggressive rain you know so it was oh this is manageable and then it was just torrential <laughs> and I, and it was yeah there was i knew it was bad when like dak took his visor off and all these other guys had to take their visors off and but no it was the divide from the start i if i'm going to be generous it was probably like 60 40 maybe 7 65 35 but like it was a loud 40 you know a loud 35 like there were cowboys nation walking into the stadium it was a well known thing and especially cuz everybody in giant stadium you know metlife was tell, told to wear blue so if you weren't wearing blue you were you were against them and there were quite a people not quite a lot of people not wearing blue i i just feel like the giants like the Cow- cowboys fans they're obviously they show up to MetLife, but that's one stadium where I always feel like we're like, it's that and obviously uh, Lincoln Financial Field when we're playing the Eagles. Or I'm like, yeah, like we're not showing like, I don't know. I just felt like last night was different. Just seemed like there were more Cowboys fans than usual. And maybe that's just because, like you said, every Giants fan was able to leave by about the second quarter. Yeah, no, that was it definitely played a factor in it. And um, I you know what? I just... I was talking to my brother, right? And, you know, obviously we talk about how we played in the NFL. And we, we when we talk, we talk like high-level stuff sometimes, like like the, the game within the game. And that's how I will give him credit. That's how I get a lot of my football knowledge is him telling me, like, the little details that, like, casual fans won't be able to pick up that didn't play at that level. And he was talking to me, and he, like, asked me, like, on a fan question, like, is this Cowboys team really this good or are the Giants this bad? And I'm like, Tyler, I think this might be the best Cowboys team in my lifetime. Like, just everything that we look at, top to bottom. I said, I want to find a reason not to believe, but, like, I'm 100% like bought in on everything because everything we heard from training camp about this team, this the offense was even, like, a side note. Even special teams are yep. making plays. Like, we're going to get into it in more, in more detail here in a second, but to win 40 to nothing where Dak throws the ball for, what, 153 passing yards? Like, it was just... Like it's wait till the offense starts working in a non monsoon type of thing. Like I can't believe they put forty on a guy on a team, and the conditions were what they were. Like if Jake Ferguson picked up that first down instead of dropping the ball, like this could have been like a fifty burger. So, um, this Cowboys team is about as real as it gets, and it was it was a really cool experience to be there week one. Yeah, I was actually about to look at that. It was Brian Anger had three punts. I mean, at least what. Two of those had to come in the second half. Yeah. So it was 
yeah, it was. I don't. I mean, we'll, we'll dive into it more. Yeah. But I don't thought it wasn't a bad game by the offense. It was just the defense and special teams did so much that the offense just needed to be like somewhat efficient, and they mm-hmm. were, and they ended that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's get right into our our Cowboys related content. Like you said, we'll. Yep. Cowboys win 40-0, start the season 1-0 over the New York Giants. They are, in by all purposes, factually, the number one team in the NFC right now after one week because, you know, they beat a division opponent, which gives you the bump up there. So the Cowboys 1-0 started off in fantastic fashion. And we didn't get a chance to prep any of this because I was away, you know, know, there's a lot of busyness. So I'm going to fire you off a couple of topics that you weren't prepared for. So I think that gives us a little bit more organic conversation. So I'll simply ask you for our first segment. What is your initial thoughts on the game? If you want to go on and get on a TED Talk soapbox conversation, this is it, Aiden. Give me your initial thoughts. Okay. I'm very happy with how the game played out. But A, like, I'm just going to keep this realistic. A, there are definitely areas that the Cowboys need to work on. And I, we need to see happen for this team to be, like, if if we all want to see that jump of Cowboys hosting the Lombardi, this wasn't a perfect game and like from what I saw last night, there's still definite areas that the Cowboys need to work on. But I mean, this is not to take away from a 40 point win. I'm not in no way am I disappointed about a 40 point win. I just like like you said, it was the blocked field goal. It was the Trayvon Diggs like nailing Saquon Barkley where Dur- where Duran Bland's unable to grab the ball. To, it was just a lot of things went right for the Cowboys in this one, and I love a 40-point win. That is one of the – that's probably the best season over and I've ever seen from the Cowboys. And the defense is absolutely legit. This defense could easily take us to the promised land. This is the type of defense you win a Super Bowl with. However, there are still areas that the Cowboys need to work on, and so I'm much more interested to see what happens next week against the Jets because I think how you respond from a 40-point win, Cowboys in years past would come out flat, after a 40 point win it's like okay what what happened to the team that just won by 40 now you're start like now you're struggling against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets i we, we need to see something we need to see more next week and i know that sounds like me being like it almost sounds like i'm upset about a 40 point win but i mean just being real like 40 point wins great but chris Collinsworth m- mentioned at the end of the night like it it's not like a 40 point win counts for two wins in the W column. It's one win in the W column. You got to move on to the Jets now and you got to fix some stuff that looks sloppy at times. Yeah, no, I feel that I feel like that's a fair assessment, right? Because um, if yeah, let's look at it and we, we can talk about the positives and we're going to talk about it constantly and people are going to talk about it all week and it's and it's totally warranted. But you're right. To put up 40 points in a game, the offense didn't really get much rhythm. They didn't get a chance to really get going. The weather conditions played a factor in it. And there's a lot of things that, you know, either I, I guess it's fair to say I don't want to. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're not going to be able to count on a blocked, you know, block yeah, six exactly. every week. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs was everywhere. I really want to give him some respect because he did. Everything. My man was, you know, tackling hard. He was hitting. He was doing a lot of different things. He was playing really well. But you're not going to pop Saquon Barkley in the in the pouring rain and have it pop up like a popcorn kernel. You know what I mean? So there are just some things that you can't count on. But I'm totally fine with that. Let's say we had a couple of things that didn't go the way it did. The way the Cowboys played, it could have still been 27-10. You know what I mean? It could have been. You know what I mean? So they they played so definitively better than the Giants that even if it wasn't in this impressive fashion, you feel good about what they did. 
but you're right. There's some things you want to work on. Um, the tight ends, again, it was raining, but everybody else was catching passes. But Ferguson had a problem. Hendership had, Hendershot, Hendershot yep. had a problem. Um, but I, I will say, you know, the, and you can counter everything to this, right? Hendershot didn't do great. Ferguson didn't do great. Okay, cool, the weather. But also, Schoonmaker's coming. So if Hendershot can't get the job done, Schoonmaker's going to be number two much sooner than we think he's going to be. Um, the running game, Rico Dotto showed some juice. Tony Pollard showed, yeah, they, you know, the running game, it was just a, it was a hard game to assess offensively because they had got, I remember, I remember sitting in there looking at my wife saying like, yeah, this defensive performance is awesome, but I need the offense to go on like a sustained drive here because the defense is going to get smoked from just being on the field. You know, they were just out there making plays the whole time. And I'm like, man, we need to give them a break, but it's hard to really be negative about it, but you got to be pre- you're pragmatic because I'll bet, you know, I'll bet my life on it that the Jets game ain't going to go like this because that's a better nope. football team and a better situation. But you take this, you build from it, you feel good about it. And, you know, Mike is coining the whole doomsday stuff again. So we'll see if that sticks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, don't like this defense is absolutely legit. Like the fact that I you could have give da- you could have given Daniel Jones another six possessions, seven possessions. And I'd be willing to bet my money that Dan Campbell or Dan Quinn was going all out. He wouldn't allow Daniel Jones to score. It was just yeah. the defense was in Daniel Jones's head to the point. What did they finish with? Eight sacks. And there was seven sacks. Seven sacks. Finished with seven sacks. Yep. I mean, it was just nonstop. Dan Quinn knew how to scheme. Micah was getting there early. Oh, now you have to double team Micah. We'll use Osa on the outside. Osa's then going to be able to get it. Like it was just this defensive line is exactly who who we thought they were, and that is even better than. 2022 where the defensive line was the anchor of this defense but yeah the point like uh the Cowboys scored 16 points before Dak Prescott had touched the ball twice like before the second offensive drive Dallas was up 16 I'm just not banking on stuff like that and so like that set the tone for the rest of the game and I'm thrilled that it in the season opener week we talked about this on podcast the, the way that the Cowboys lose is they fall flat they did or they come out flat the Cowboys did not come out flat in this one they set the tone early, but you now have a week two matchup against the Jets in which you need to prove that this wasn't a fluke. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, and and that will come a due time, right? So I don't want to knock them for the fact that they smoked somebody, and we're, we don't have to fully believe it just yet, right? Like, we agree, and I said it, I said it you know, not even five minutes ago. I think this is the best team in my lifetime that I could remember. Yep. So what was one of the most impressive things to me is, you know, Daniel Jones was out in deep into the fourth right i think i think it ended up being like one possession for tyrod taylor at quarterback so it was like the last one minute yeah again so with that being said i mean we got guys like i mean dante Fowler's a veteran he's been doing this but chauncey golston you know doris armstrong who we didn't mention one time during training camp i remember people being like what is doris armstrong injured because he wasn't getting mentioned at all he might be a true gamer because the guy was out there he got a sack um, Chauncey Golston was unblockable at times. It just felt like no matter who they put out on the defensive line, it was just overmatching for the Giants front. And, you know, it was I, I know there was some wrinkles and some high level stuff and we got people that will break it down throughout the week. But they had Micah over over the center. They had him, you know, rushing from the, you know, from the A gaps. It was Leighton Van Der Esch on the edge as an edge rusher. Like they were just doing so many different things. And I remember on like a third and twelve. 
I love the Demarcus Lawrence and Micah on the, you know, Dorrance in the inside, Micah on the edge. Those two can play stunts and twists and games that cause real problems. There's Evan Neal, which we already know. We talked about Evan Neal as somebody that is um, a matchup they could have exposed. If you get Demarcus yep. Lawrence and, you know, and a Micah Parsons there, it's it's going to wreak havoc on that offensive line. And, you know, just to kind of further drive point, the point home, right, this game, how historic it was. I, I have this note here. Largest week one shutout in NFL since 1999. I don't even think, you know, not the docs. I don't even think you were alive in 1999. It, I would have been a month old at that point. <laughs> yeah. So 1999, that's not Cowboys. That's the league. So 40 to nothing week one. I mean, just what more you can, can you say about it, Aiden? It's, it's impressive all around. Yeah, I've. And if you look at the reason that the defensive like. You look at the box store score, you're kind of disappointed that Micah finished with one sack. By the way, is it two sacks? If Daniel Jones fumbles the snap and then Micah's the first one to touch him, I know it's kind of cheap, yeah. but isn't that technically, I feel like that's always I think it is technically a sack. a sack. Yeah, I've always thought that, but I thought I saw somebody, was he outside of the tackle box, which makes it like a run or something, or I don't know if that was like the <sighs> distinction. Maybe, I don't know. I don't, any, like, I guess... Well, give him his one actual sack. He'll rack him up and yeah, he'll get more. <laughs> but if you just see like that one sack, you're a little bit you're like, oh, it seems like Micah kind of had a quiet night. And then like Micah was getting doubled. If you look at the game, Micah allowed like everything we've heard over the offseason where Micah's like, my ultimate goal is like, I want to be the defensive end that just allows everybody else to eat. That came into like you rewatch. If you rewatch the tape, that was like. It literally played out that way yeah. where Mike is getting double teamed, allowing Osa to get yes. finished with two sacks. Osa finishing with two sacks. <laughs> Nobody had that on their bingo card no. for last night. Like Golston looking great. Dorrance Armstrong finishing with two stack- sacks. All of this is because when you have to put so much attention on Micah, and he set the tone early. He finished. He obviously touched Daniel Jones on one of the first plays of the game. Yeah. And then second drive just buries Daniel Jones in the backfield. He said, okay, you have to pay attention to me. That allowed the rest of the defensive line to eat. Dan Quinn has had, once again, another offseason to stunt, to plan for this, to work Micah around. Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons are the reason that this defense looks, specifically the defensive line, looked so good last night is because you have to put all the attention on Micah. It's just his impact goes so much further than sacks, quarterbacks, hits, and hurries. It's how much attention you have to pay to this guy is allowing it makes everybody else look like pro bowlers absolutely i mean well said i don't even i can't even really add to it because it's just so perfectly said micah is the embodiment of like a like a a true playmaker right because even if he isn't making the plays it's his action that is creating plays to be made like that osa play was the embodiment of it like you said for him to rush the passer passer you know occupy the left tackle in the left guard let osa loop around it enough time to get in, and smoke Daniel Jones in the back. Like it was just a perfectly, I think Dan Quinn's going to look at that and be like, this is teach tape. When you have a generational guy, this is what it's going to look like. And everyone else got to be ready to eat because it's coming. Um, with that being said, I kind of wanted to pivot into our second topic here. And again, like I said, I haven't briefed you at all. When we talked about the seven sacks, two interceptions, one pick six, one block field goal, five forced fumbles, zero points scored. I'll ask you this. Is this style of play sustainable? Like, is this what the 2023 Cowboys are going to look like where the offense is a true, you know, complementary piece to 
a damn good defensive and special teams unit. I mean, zero points and how many turnovers did you say? It was four turnovers. It was two fumbles, two interceptions, two, two interceptions, five forced fumbles. It doesn't say how many. Um, I don't have a, how many. How many recovered? Lost, but you know, forcing five fumbles is crazy. It was. It in short, no, this isn't sustainable. But what the Cowboys have built is absolutely sustainable because what they've built is a insane defensive line who you can continue to rotate throughout the game and everybody on that defensive line has the capability like we didn't we didn't really see Dante Fowler that much but throw Dante Fowler on the field and he's going to get his too like the fact that Dante Fowler is just like this the back of the roster defensive end is wild our defensive tackles looked amazing last night your boy Hankins was stopping like this defensive line is built to anchor the entire defense and they absolutely showed that last night i think this defensive line has taken a step up from 2022 which was impressive because they were by set i for my money they were the best defensive line last year you've now elevated it to the point that this defensive line is going to help the entire defense we do need to have i am the two the two two areas of concern a the running the rushing game i still think the cowboys can be beat on the ground now you can't win by just running the ball in today's NFL. And specifically last night you saw once the Cowboys got up 16 to zero, you're not going to win. You're not going to come back on the Cowboys by running the ball. So I'm not as concerned about the rushing game. I do think the secondary, there was causes for concern last night. And specifically, I don't love saying this. Love the pick. He, he looked great on the interception. Stephon Gilmore really struggled at times. There's times where Waller was open. There were times where... He got lucky because Stefan was the guy in coverage, but the Giants receiver just dropped the ball because it was wet and rainy. I do think there's there's reason. Like, it wasn't Stephon Gilmore's best game, and maybe it's just his first game playing with the Cowboys, but the second the the secondary specifically, like, after the first two drives, they, they struggled, but you couldn't really tell because of the way Daniel Jones was in constant pressure. He, he, do, he was just making, like, once again, maybe this is prescriptive of how the season's going to go, but because he was under so much pressure, he couldn't throw accurate passes. But if he had like a guy like Aaron Rodgers next week, might be able to hit a receiver there and our secondary might look worse than last night. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And this is, this is not excuse making because, you know, it is what it is. But I want at some point in the first drive, I was like, oh, they have no plans to throw this football. Like you know, Daniel Jones was running it. They were running QB power on third and like five. Like Saquon Barkley was getting fed. If they did throw the ball, it was dump off screens and checks. I'm like, they're not going to test these corners. So I, I wonder if part of it was like a lull. Like the game got out of hand. They they weren't really getting tested. The pass rush was coming. Like not not I mean, it's probably not like a real thing where like, oh, come on, Tony. Like they got to be ready to play. But at the same time, I wonder if it's like they're beating the doors down. Daniel Jones hasn't been able to complete a pass. You just wonder if like. Because the energy in the place kind of got flat. Once it got 33 to nothing, you could just felt like everybody, including the Cowboys, were like, all right, it's cold, it's rainy, the juice is gone, we're beating the brakes off this team, like, let's just get, let's get a running clock going here, you know, it felt like that, and um, so you wonder if part of it, yeah, I remember um, it was Paris Campbell, the ball was thrown a little bit behind him, but the coverage was loose, right, if it was a good yep. pass, it would have been, you know, a 25, you know, 20 yard gain, but that's just part of it. I mean, I next week will be in New York. We'll be in a in a controlled environment, and you know, you build off some of those things, right? And Stephon Gilmore had a pick, and our best corner Trayvon Diggs didn't, and he got beat in coverage at times too. So, um, you could take a look at it and just say like, what is this team going to look like now? <laughs> I would argue that the Giants' offensive line is better than the Jets' offensive line, so it may be Aaron Rodgers there, but if that pass rush. It could be me back there. It won't even matter. Like it just, it doesn't matter if you, if they're gonna eat in the backfield like that. It's you take you know, like you look at the way teams are built. So yeah, like yeah, Daniel Jones, not Aaron Jones. I mean Aaron Rodgers, but that Giants O line is better than that Jets offensive line. So we'll we'll figure. We'll play matchups here. But I wanted to drop a couple of nuggets I saw here. Um, I'm fat. I'm full of information right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Daniel Jones ended his season debut with a final passer rating of 32.4. That is the lowest rating in Jones's recorded history since he was drafted. And then another one, which will blow your mind because I know you're an analytics guy. I saw this. I don't know if you caught it. Bill Barnwell, Giants on Sunday night against the Cowboys had a negative 23.8 offensive EPA. Whoa. Okay, in the Broncos game. From the COVID year, when Kendall Hinton was the quarterback, the wide receiver playing quarterback, his was 23.7. So he had a better <laughs> quarterback performance in that COVID game than Daniel Jones did last night. So, uh, <laughs> like, that is just, you you got to attribute that to the, it, the weather is fine, but the, the guys are coming across and we're playing in the same weather too. And I think, it's about as de- dominant of a defensive performance as you can have in an NFL game. No, I'm man. This is the type of defense that it takes you places. This is yeah. We we will we will need to have a conversation of whether they're we're allowing Micah to use the doomsday term because that was interesting. You did allude yeah. to it. I don't. <laughs> I I still know how I feel about it. I'm not opposed. I'm up for. It. But the tough you mentioned the tough part of this game was. You only had about a quarter and a half to like truly evaluate. And then it really started getting out. Even by halfway through the second quarter, Chris Collinsworth was, to, or yeah, I think it was, I don't know who, which announcer it was, but they were talking about Micah Parsons and they pretty much said like, 
well, we're going to have a lot of time to just talk about these guys. And it was like halfway through the second quarter. I'm like, are you allowed to call call the game yeah. that early? Because it was that filler point, content like, yeah, 20, in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like 26 hours. So you didn't have a lot of time to evaluate in this one. And that's like, you're going to have more, like you mentioned, you're going to have more time against the Jets because the Jets, I, did, I don't think, I'm not predicting another 40 to zero Cowboys blowout. But from what we've seen, you're right. This defense, specifically this defensive line, is the it's the thing of legend, and it's the stuff that elevates you to the best defense in the NFL. I'll tell you right now, I'm going to call my shot. It's it's Monday morning, September 11th. Um, this week will progress where there will be enough national media pundits and maybe people in the local area that like to stir stuff up that are going to call into question the legitimacy of the performance because of the weather and because of the Giants that I think by Sunday, Dan Quinn and Michael Parsons will have that Michael Jordan, Tom Brady fake disrespect thing on their shoulder where they'll take it real personally and this Jets game will be, you guys thought it was a fluke. You thought we weren't going to be able to do it again. And I could see them finding a way to have another like performance that you would, you'd rave about after week two and it's all going to be because the media was you know downgrading it because I, I saw a negative talk about Dak because people are like oh Dak didn't do anything last night it's like oh, come on you didn't have to my man was like he was there for the ride he bought a ticket you know and that's totally fine. Only, only the Cowboys quarterback could get right. black when the quarterback that's playing him just had a worse game than Kendall Hinton Kendall Hinton yeah in a COVID game in a COVID game where the wide receiver five was playing QB one like that. So it's, and that's the part that blows my mind. Cause I was actually going through Twitter and I'm like, Oh, we got, we got people out here really trying to have to defend Dak's performance because the defense was probably one of the best defensive performances of all time. Like this is a weird, weird dynamic right now. In all fairness. And this isn't me attacking Dak. This is me just being fair. There were areas of rust for Dak, and I'm not going to defend yeah. that. Like, but you're right. He didn't have to do a lot, but like, there was one pass to CD in the end zone that he had him and just flat out missed him, and yep. CD was a little bit upset on that one. Yeah, There was, I think, the drive before a similar in the end zone. It wasn't He wasn't as of, I don't even remember who it was at this point. It's been a night since I've slept, but there were just, there were passes that Dak mixed missed but if you look at the final box score that also doesn't take into account three drops and in a game where Dak only threw the ball what 26 times how many times did he throw I think it was about that it was like 23 so like you see oh he only he only had a 54 percent completion percentage that's not normal Dak well he threw the ball 24 times and if you add in those three drops that's 16 for 24 that looks a lot better on the stat sheet so well, like he's wet game. I'm sure there were a couple yeah. other drops. Like it was just it was the weather hot. played a clearly, factor though too, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Clearly the passing game was not there. Wait until the Cowboys are playing in AT&T Stadium next week against I mean, it's a go they're going against a good defense, but at least then the Cowboys will have to throw the ball. There will be some more urgency to them. I'm letting that be my first week to evaluate because to me, I'm just like, yeah, Dak looked shaky at times last night. He also looked good at times last night. I'm just not taking anything away from Dak's performance. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. No, that's like I said, you take the win, you chalk it up, you go with it, and you don't try to overanalyze it because situations dictate, you know, how it goes out. You know, there's games where we've seen, I'm surprised people talk like that, not you, but like the national media where like people are like, oh, Dak didn't do enough or we didn't see this. It's, you know, 
we've seen games where the defense was horrendous and Dak had to throw for 500 and exactly. four touchdowns. And, and, you know, we've seen him do that. So it's like, oh, the defense gave him a break. He, he had a day off. Like, cool. Like, I don't know why we're saying this like it's a negative because it wouldn't be for anybody else. Um, but hold on. As we go forward here, let's take a look to our next segment here. And I want to I want to ask you directly, and obviously it'll spawn more conversation off of this, but I guess we're kind of talking about it a little bit, but more to the point. Does this game make you believe that this year can be special or was it just so much of an outlier? It feels like a one-off. To me, we've seen these wins before. It hasn't been as impressive as this and it hasn't been a week one. So it's tough. I just, I need to see next week to know. Like this was just such a 40 to zero is so like, yeah, we saw the commanders game where it was like 56 to 14 a couple years ago. We saw them hang what 43 to 3 against the Vikings? I don't yeah. even remember the yeah, final that score. That. Right, yeah. 43 to 3 ish on the Vikings last like We've seen the Cowboys put up these big games and they're always fun. It's always you get a week of just let's okay, let's do our victory lap for a little bit. And I love it. So I'm like, I'm not gonna complain about this week. I just in order for me to be able to take anything away, I there's just not a lot I can take away. Other than the defense is insane, the defense is legit, and like I do think that, yeah. If you were if you made me bet on this, yes, the cow this defense can absolutely take this take the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. However, it's just in a game like that, I just need to see I need to see week two. I need to get a better prognostication because it just feels so like when we look back on the season, it's gonna be like, oh, remember when the Cowboys won 40 to zero week one? I don't know what the rest of that sentence will be, but it's <laughs> Cowboys won 40 to zero week one. That was a wild season opener. I just like I need the second page to be written. Yeah, my my thing is I, I guess I I mean I wrote the question so shout out to myself. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> so no, I'm because when I look at it, I'm like I believe that both things can be true. Where this game in all you know intense purposes could be an outlier. We probably won't and probably won't like we probably won't see it like this for again. You know, forty to nothing is it's that's a about statement. as good as it gets. Yeah, like yeah. you know how many of those are we gonna have? You know, so. I, I think this is how this team was always built. This is how they always wanted to do it. Dan Quinn's bending here, building his defense, drafting, grabbing his guys, putting together so that this would always be a realization or a possibility. Now, the offense will, will be better. The offense will have more opportunities. They'll get in more rhythm. There'll be games where it'll be 40 to 10. It could be, you know, 30 to 20, depending on it. Like defenses, the defense probably won't have a great game some days. So it just, I, I think doesn't matter what the meat of it is, right? If you, if you stack week one to week 18, the filler in the middle, which is two to 17 is going to look like you know, 16 different variations of what the season is going to look like. And none of them will probably look like that again. But what they've done as far as talent acquisition, scheme, player, everything they got going on here at the coaching staff from the top down has put this type of stuff in motion. And we couldn't say that in years prior. Jason Garrett years, you know, Wade Phillip years, the, the way Jerry Jones is even constructed this roster, Stephen Jones with the contracts, like this year feels different. The Brandon Cooks move was different. Stephon Gilmore was different. The way they draft is just not typical. So I, I want to say that it feels entirely different, but like you said, we got to see it week two, but it feels different because of the action. All what happened last night was three to four years of culmination put together. 
And so that's why I feel like this truly can be a different team. And that's why when I told my brother, I said, I don't know, man, this is probably the best roster I've ever seen. I mean, yeah, let me answer your question more directly. I So going into this season, going into this, like, what, a week ago, I think we went, we talked about it. Like, this is the best Cowboys team I like I've ever seen in my lifetime. And here's the thing. 20 that 2014 team, I still believe could have like they easily could have won the Super Bowl. That was a quote unquote Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, they were up there with the too. best. <laughs> it absolutely hurts. 2016 too. 2016. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. I'll, I'll, that even though Dak was a rookie, I don't care. That team, if they were hosting Lombardi at the end of the season, it wouldn't have shocked me. They had the talent to win the Super Bowl. 2022, it was tough. There was it was shaky at times. I think they could have been the Eagles. I don't know what they would have done against this, but that was a Super Bowl contending team. It's just the thing is, it just bounced the wrong way. And yet, 2020, this 2023 team is better than, in my mind, all of those. Better, much better defense yeah. than 2014, better 2016. You mentioned added cooks from last year. The defense already looks better from 2022. This is the best team we've seen. And so, absolutely, they're a Super Bowl contending team. Yes. And as that is how we walked. I, I believe we have the sh- same feelings. Like, that's how you and I walked into the season feeling. Mm-hmm. To me, like, I just don't know if last night... Yes, last night did... It, it made me feel more positive. It made me feel much better about the defense. But, like, it, it just didn't really move the needle that much for me, is what I'm okay. saying. I, I, I'm I, just going to need to see a little Wanna bit more in week more. two. But that being said, I like... It's not like I, I still think this is a Super Bowl contending team. So yeah. it's it's not like it moved the needle backwards for me. Didn't hurt it. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely didn't hurt it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think it's fair to 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 want to see it again, right? I think we I'm I'm of the belief that 12 and 5 two years ago, 12 and 5 last year, this is a double digit win team who has gotten better. So I understand why people are like i need to see it more because it's a new season and last year doesn't really matter but again the core is here the coaching staff is here so it i i do put stock in that right so i i probably feel a little bit more confident in this team going forward because of some of those things and the groundwork they laid but it's entirely fair to say we're only one weekend in a wet in a weather game where the giants stunk like I need to see it again. You know, I need to see it one more yeah. time, two more times, whatever, how it shakes out until you feel comfortable. So I don't think that's an absurd point of view. But, hey, listen, it's 40 to nothing, and we've tried to, you know, fit 40 minutes of, you know, level-headed conversation about a team that, you know, we love, respect, and want to win, and we're sitting here trying to be pragmatic about a 40 to nothing blow in week one. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> going to be enough people in this you know, fandom that are going to do the whole wrestling, you know, puff the chest out, you know, throw the belt over their shoulder stuff. And here on the first and 10 podcast, man, we, we give it to you. We shoot it straight. So yes, there's a lot of reasons to be excited, but if we want to win the Super Bowl, if we want this team to get there, we understand that there are some things that they got to get better in. And um, I think that's a fair take. And I think that's why people listen to us. I mean, it was, we went on stretches last year where the Cowboys, they were winning a lot. And like at 12 and 5, you're going to go on some runs. So the Cowboys were going on some runs. And me and you said, like, we almost we almost wa- are rooting for a loss at this point. So this team can get humbled and realize, like, uh, you still have so, like, I, I'm not rooting for a loss. But I, I'm almost thinking, like, man, Dak, Micah, DQ, Mike McCart, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid yet. Just this is only week <laughs> one. Get your 
go into the building Tuesday, ready to work, start watching the tape, and please bury Aaron Rodgers. I I don't care what <laughs> team he's playing for. I don't want to lose to Aaron Rodgers. You got him in week two. Mike McCarthy, former quarterback years, get him in your sights. Let's get locked in and let's just keep our head down. Don't start drinking the Kool-Aid just yet. Yep. And um, you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, I don't know, footballisms or dadisms or whatever is I like to learn lessons in victory, right? I don't want to have to yeah. lose to learn a lesson. So if the, if next week they need to be humbled or something doesn't go their way, it's tight. Still just pull out the W. That's all I'm asking, right? Like we can have, it's not going to look like it did this week. There's a much better defense. It's a much better quarterback, much better team all in all. With that being said, <laughs> let's go win the game. And then we'll sort yeah. out the, the mix after that. So before we get out of here, I just want to have one quick segment here. I want to ask you one direct question. Um, It could be anybody. It could be a group. It could be a person. Who does Aiden Davis give his week one game ball to? there's i feel like there's a there's a cheapish answer that i'll just save i i don't think you're gonna take it either and i'd like i'll i'll we'll just address at the end i'm giving it to Diggs. i think he for my money had the best game last like it was he's not gonna show up on like the yeah he didn't finish with a pick but he essentially did finish with a pick, putting the ball, putting his shoulder into Saquon Barkley's chest and popping the ball up for Duran Bland. That was on, that was all Trayvon. Forcing a fumble, that was Trayvon. Like, the guy was just physical last night, and this is, he's he's evolving into the cornerback, like, like one of the NFL's best cornerbacks where, like, he's, he doesn't need to play ball hawk anymore. He's going to find a way to help the defense out, to force turnovers, and he's going to do so playing you straight up. He's going to play you tight. He's going to put his, like, apparently he's a big hitter now, which we've always said, we've always said the tackling on, like, the whole Trayvon Dix can't tackle thing, that was so overblown because, yes, Trayvon absolutely knows how to tackle. But he went out and he made a statement last night that, no, I'm laying the boom this year, and I am, like, I am the Richard Sherman of this legion. Like, Dan Campbell had Richard Sherman. That's who I want to be this year. And that's who I think Trayvon Diggs is evolving into. And it's great to see. So I'm giving the game all to Trayvon. Yeah, I love that. It was, you know what it is beyond just like the play and him being who he is like that punch out for that fumble was like effort to me that like championship effort, right? Where, you know, the yep. games and you can go out there and let one of the safeties go chase him down. You can, you know, you, you gave up the catch, but you know, he's, he's screaming, running away from you, but for him to run up, try to punch it out in a game that it was like 33 to nothing, you know, it's cold, it's rainy. It's, you know, all, all the reasons why to mail it in and he had, and it was never even a thought. So I think the Trayvon Dick selection is, is a great one. It was and, actually, yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say like for me, he probably would have been close to my, my selection, but if you're going to add something, let me know. And then I'll give you mine after that. Yeah. I, there was, a quote at, that they said during the broadcast. It was something I I can't find the exact quote, so I'm gonna misquote it. But th- basically, the reporters were walking around the sidelines and they heard Trayvon Diggs, and he's he's just telling the defense, Daniel Jones, stop throwing us, Tr- stop trying to throw on us. It's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, like, it's I, not. I'm wildly misquoting, but Trayvon he has he has a swagger to him. He, yeah. yeah, and it, if and honestly, I'm not even kidding. Like. I was in the stands and the Giants fans were had some some bravado 
in like the first drive. They were running the ball a little bit. Daniel Jones was escaping the pocket. Like we had a tough time containing the run a little bit. I was even thinking like, oh man, it's going to be more of the same in the running game. But I remember looking to the guy to my right, who was a Cowboys fan. I'm like, this guy hasn't thrown the football not one time yet. Like it was like two drives before he even thrown the football. And I'm like, I think they know. I think they understand this secondary. And mind you, Donovan Wilson didn't play. Jordan Lewis was a healthy scratch. Like there were Malik Hooker had um he was playing his flu game and he dropped an interception. Like this secondary oh, he, had yeah. he had it right in the chest. So <laughs> but this team, this secondary specifically has a chance to just continue to get better. Wanye Thomas had the you know the first game of his career and he balled out. You know what? I'm just gonna jump right into it. That's what I'm giving my game ball to. Wanye Thomas. My man had well the block, got this well whole thing deserved. started. You know, he got the whole thing started with the block block field goal and no way I know I messed that up, but took that to the house. You know, that was I mean Kelvin Joseph ain't doing that. Kelvin Joseph didn't do that. Um so Wanye Thomas comes in, was a guy, Michael Gelkin, you know, kind of peeked behind the curtain. We had Michael Gelkin on a couple of weeks ago, and our podcast with him got delayed by like a half hour, 45 minutes because, and I can say this because it's out, he had an interview with um, Wanye Thomas's mom, just about the history and the life of the guy. And and um, basically that was before cutdown when, you know, everyone knew he was making the 53-man roster, but that this guy's story... This guy came in, undrafted guy from Georgia Tech, total Dan Quinn dude with the the swagger, the attitude. That's like our fourth or fifth safety at this point. Marquise Bell flying around in the old Jabril Cox, number 14, making plays. But Wanya Thomas had a, a massive impact in his first football game. And that's the type of stuff that really fascinates me. When you got a guy who you see sometimes, I mean, for example, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but... Jalen Tolbert in his first action last year wilted in the moment, right? Got small, couldn't handle the situation. Wanye was everywhere, wasn't afraid of the moment, had supreme confidence, blocked the field goal, was doing everything, right? Was hitting people, was talking, and he was doing everything. So shout out to Wanye Thomas. He's a guy that I don't know if he'll ever say he's the game ball worthy guy again for the rest of the year, but he'll always know that week one, he got this thing kicked off for us. And the, what surprised me most, the blocked kick, that was great, especially because he just leaped, leaped over, leaped between two guys. Like, it was a hyper-athletic play to get that block. But then he continued. He got a lot of snaps on defense. I think he's going to be, like, he's not he's not going to be the starter on this defense, obviously, especially when Dono gets back healthy. Um, he's, he's We're going to see his snaps go down, and it's not like he's a rookie. He's He's got time to progress. But what just what surprised me most last most about last night was how much Wanye was playing. It was like once we got into the third-ish quarter, Wanye was out there making plays, being physical. And I was just, I was, he was playing with the starters because even towards the end of the game, guys like Sam Williams, Golson, like we kept our starters in for most of the game. So I love that Wanye Thomas pick. I do want to give an honorable mention. Marquise Bell had a quietly good game yep. last night. Exactly. Looked great Put at everywhere. linebacker. Yeah, I love seeing the um my my actually my the cheap quote-unquote cheap pick i mean dan quinn is the real mvp from yes. last night like he i don't want to say the, it but yeah, i knew what you were thinking exactly yeah. yeah so that was that I, was gonna be like he for fans we we picked a player to make it more fun dan quinn is absolutely 100 yeah. percent the mvp yeah i don't want to take the low-hanging fruit there because yeah. that's the absolute right answer but 
I will say I want to give a little shout out, and it's not defense, it's not offense. I want to shout out to Brandon Aubrey. That first one, yes. People were panicked. People were panicked when he missed the PAT, but he had multiple and many chances all night to get it and solidify. It. And he kicked strong, confidently, and right down the middle. Um, you know, he's gonna not gonna have those type of environments every every week, but it's good to know that he's able to do it when needed. But at least, you know, half of his games are going to be in a controlled, temperatured environment. So that's good for us and good for him. And so just an honorable mention, Brandon Aubrey in his first NFL game took shook the first one off and looked solid after that. But um, unless you got anything yeah. else to add, Hayden, you got any other final thoughts on the week one before we put a bow on it? Please beat Aaron Rodgers. I can't I can't <laughs> go another. I need to yeah. beat Aaron Rodgers. Do it, Cowboys. Yes. All right. So that is another episode of the First and Ten Podcast. Hopefully next week we can come back. And again, because we release on Mondays, this one is actually going to be at 4 p.m. If you didn't already know that, I'm sure you knew that by the time you're listening to it. Um, but next week we're, we're, we're the review show, man. So we're going to review everything that was Cowboys, New York Jets. And hopefully when we talk to you next, there'll be 2-0. and um, with, with the Dallas Cowboys, blogging the boys, I'm Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash viya. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.